What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are back in action here on this Monday, actually September 11th, 2023. Uh, another exciting episode in store for you today, talking plenty of baseball news. Uh, we are right in the thick of a playoff chase. We've got about three weeks left. The NL wild card is really a free for all. We've got several teams. We got like six teams in play for three spots. Should be interesting. We'll break that down. Mike Trout, is he wanting out of Anaheim? We will discuss that. The Texas Rangers on the brink of a colossal collapse. And we have the right man joining us today. There, we have the guy who's here who knows more about the inside of Major League Baseball than anybody on the planet. He's the top newsbreaker in the sport, the Bob father himself, Mr. Bob Nightingale from USA Today. Welcome back, Bob. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Jack. Always great to have you here, Bob. Let me ask you this before we talk some ball. First weekend of NFL, second weekend of college football, were you plugged into any football over the weekend? Were you watching any football? Yeah, I watched, uh, fascinated by what Colorado University is doing with Deion Sanders. Uh, watched every play of that one. Uh, mind-boggling what's going on there. And, uh, you know, watched some uh, football bounce around different channels on uh, on Sunday. NFL games. I think all my teams lost. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Good Who are your teams? Uh, I love the uh, Denver Broncos, Minnesota Vikings. I uh, live in Phoenix. So I always, you know for the Cardinals at all, you know, like a hopeless uh, season. <laughs> and uh, I like to say Bengals, too. Yeah. So you mentioned Colorado. Uh, just an amazing story. I can't remember seeing anything like this where you had a team that was perhaps the worst Power 5 school in the entire sport a season ago. That place was dead. This is a program with great prestige and great history. Very good teams in the 90s. And really just was so terrible last year. Coach Prime comes in. It's week two. They're riding off a huge win over a team that went into the national championship game a season before that. And now they're playing at home. And Boulder is just electric. It's It was an amazing atmosphere. I think a lot of people who are maybe my age who... I mean, I didn't ever really live through Colorado being a great football school. But I think there are going to be a lot of young people that are learn, going to learn a little more about their uh, history and their traditions with Ralphie the Buffalo running uh, all over the field. And we've got college game day there next week. I mean, there is a special buzz with this team. They're a top 25 team. And hey, look out. I know you and Harold Reynolds are close buddies, and I know he's a big Oregon fan. Could be a big game for Harold's Oregon Ducks against Colorado in just a couple weeks. Yeah, and that game's at uh, Oregon, too. So, yeah, and Oregon's obviously a powerful team. But, yeah, I'm not sure I've seen it, uh, a quicker turnaround. We saw what uh, Bill Snyder did with Kansas State years ago. That was the worst program in the country. And he became that team became a power in, a, uh, you know, in bowls year after year. But, yeah, I mean, now they've been on the national uh, you know, Fox National Game of the Week, you know, two straight weeks. Uh, like you said, not a, you know both uh, I think Fox and ESPN are going there on their game against Colorado State. Nobody used to care about that game except for people inside Colorado. And uh, yeah, it's fun to see what's going on. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, 
uh, Colorado Rockies are trying to get involved. They made a couple <laughs> offers trying to get him to come out, you know, throw a first pitch or something. So far, they've been ignored. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the only person ignoring the Colorado Rockies this season. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been it's been really fun and. By the way, for those who are out there, if you're looking for a Heisman dark horse, Shador Sanders, very long odds. I mean, he's played very well in his first two weeks. He's put up big stats. He's the quarterback at Colorado. And, I mean, hey, we'll see how where this thing goes. I know it's early. I think we're, some of us might be getting swept up in the hype maybe a little too much. We'll find out as they get tested with some Pac-12 games coming up. But how funny would it be if... Colorado won the Pac-12 in the final year of the Pac-12 as we know it. Uh, it's certainly a possibility. So keep an eye out there for um, Dion Son Shador. Yeah, and they're and they're two way player. You know, the freshman who was a uh, top recruit in the country. I mean, he's yeah. like Shohei Otani of college football. Amazing with that. Yeah, Travis Hunter is that his yeah. name? Yeah. So yeah. might think about him doing as well. <laughs> Hey, speaking of Shohei Otani, this has been, I mean, could things have gone worse for the Angels since the last time we spoke? The last time I had you on, Bob, days before the trade deadline, they had just pulled the trigger for Giolito. I think we both were kind of like, hey, this is kind of cool to see the Angels going for it. And could things have gone worse from that point forward? No, they uh, they try to go forward, and uh, you know Giolito just you know bombed out there, and uh, you know Trout never came back. He came back for one day, uh, then Otani gets hurt. So yeah, it's just a uh, it, too bad. You know they went for it, uh, blew up in their face, but you know they had to uh, go for it. at least they had to try to show uh, Otani that they're trying to be competitive. That's why they didn't trade him in the first place. Now we'll see what happens. I mean, it's worth it if Otani stays and says, "Okay, at least you guys tried." If he departs, yeah, it's a, it's a uh, you know tougher tougher them for sure. So Otani, last time we spoke, we talked about there being four potential teams really being the real players for Otani services. The four California teams and five California teams minus Oakland. Do you see anybody else in the time since we last spoke gaining a little momentum, or is there a greater possibility or likelihood that he could leave the West Coast? I don't see it. I mean, everybody's going to be you know, making their bids and stuff like that. I don't see it. I know at one point they said the Cubs are a dark horse, but the, you know, real dark horse. I mean, obviously, if they want to sign Bellinger, you're not going to sign both of them. Yeah. So uh, the pod race, you know, the way that thing, you know. Uh, melted down. I don't know why he would go there. Uh, Seattle, you know, they've had fewer playoff appearances than the Angels over the years. So uh, I think the Giants are real, and obviously the Dodgers and the Angels. Do you think that, in a weird way, Otani's injury may have increased the likelihood of the Angels keeping him? Because we know how the Dodgers operate. Perhaps it the Dodgers are now willing to spend less on Otani, given the torn UCL. Does that change perhaps the market for him? And does it make the Angels, is it easier for the Angels to then go above what other teams might offer? No, I think it helps the Angels. I mean, he knows the uh, medical staff, the trainers. Uh, he kind of runs his own program there. I mean, he hasn't spoken to the media there in about a month. Does not plan to do it so for the rest of the season. Uh, he's going to call the shot when he plays his last game. 
I think he'd like to play at least one more home game, uh, at least a couple for the Angels fans uh, before he shuts it down and, and has surgery. So the freedom he has with the Angels, you know, he may not get anywhere else. Yeah, I I think that it's become a little, from the outsider looking in, I think it's become a little more likely that he stays in Anaheim for the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, and for also that reason that I just, I think the Dodgers may have been willing to pay a little more when you're looking at this guy without the potential Tommy John surgery. Now you're looking at potential Tommy John surgery. I mean, do you think, by the way, should I ask you, I'll ask you this. Do you think this guy is going to have Tommy John surgery soon? He's going to have surgery for sure. Now, whatever surgery it is, whether it's more the uh, hybrid type surgery, uh, kind of what Trevor Story had, you know, no matter what it is, he's going to be out all 2024 as far as a pitcher. So it really doesn't matter. Uh, and then, you know, he'll, he'll try to pitch again in 2025. So whoever signs him is really signing him as a, as a uh, DH right now. And then they probably put incentives in the contract uh, when he does come back and pitches. You know, how many innings he goes. You know, can he do something else besides DH? He's a terrific outfielder. We all know he's a great base runner. But, you know, you pay a guy a whole lot different money if he can play the outfield or pitch rather than DH only. Yeah. Now, Mike Trout, is there there an increased likelihood of him getting moved at this time? Only if he wants to, you know, if he gets sped up, you know, about a week ago, he had told the uh, reporters in L.A., uh, I want to talk to the front office. Someone asked him, I think the Orange County Register asked him, do you want to be traded? And he says, I'm not going to answer that right now. So he didn't disregard it. Uh, if he wants to be traded, the Angels say they'll listen uh, and see what kind of market there is. Granted, the market isn't the same for Mike Trout, as big as a name he is. He's got seven years and $245 million off that contract. It's a whole lot of money. He's missed over 200 games the last few years. So uh, I'm not sure how much he would get for Trout except for financial relief. Yeah, he's missed so much time. And, I mean, really, I mean, if we if, – if Trout and Rendon, if those two guys were healthy this year, last year, I think it changes the outlook of the Angels quite a bit. Well, yeah, I mean, they made a, you know, loss of wonder when they signed Rondon instead of Garrett Cole. When they lost Cole, they pivoted. They should have just given that money out for some more pitching, and they didn't. They got Rondon, and, uh, you know, it's been, you know, probably the worst contract in all of baseball. Just he's not playing, and uh, he's had a bone bruise now since July and uh, still hasn't played a game. So fans are very upset with him. The same thing, you know, just, you know, no trade value. What are you going to do? Now, as a longtime journalist, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Rendon has been asked several times by, it seems like it's always the same reporter, keeps asking about his injuries and he doesn't want to talk. He gives them sarcastic, snarky responses. Do you feel that he should be answering those questions? Or do you, do you think that maybe a player, you know, if a guy doesn't want to talk, he shouldn't have to talk? It'd be nice to address it once in a while just because of the money he's making. It's not like he's uh, got some young kid in the team trying to make the team. Uh, you know, at $245 million, you got a responsibility too. You know, all you can do is, you know, take two minutes to answer questions and, well, things aren't getting better or a slight improvement, I'm doing this. That's all. Uh, you know, I, I would hope that, you know, 
he would start to answer questions at, at some point, particularly if he gets close to being back, because that's only being fair. So what could a trade market look like for Mike Trout? Because you mentioned it's not, this isn't the highly desired Mike Trout from maybe three or four years ago when it was earlier in this contract, he had stayed healthy, he was coming off an MVP. He has been injured. It's a lot of money left on that deal. What teams do you think would potentially make sense or have interest? Well, he calls his own shot because he has a no trade clause. So you would think Philadelphia is his hometown team, uh, Yankees, Mets, maybe stops right around there, really. And uh, I'm not sure what the trade market would be. You know, probably yeah. some teams, top 10 prospect, maybe two of the top 15. It depends how much money if, if the Angels are willing to eat, if they need any. I said that's a big financial commitment. You know, maybe a few months ago, <clears throat> you know, the Angels might have, uh, well, the Yankees might have said, okay, here's uh, Jason Dominguez for him. You know, now Dominguez is hurt. But, yeah, you're not going to get a whole lot more than financial relief at this point. Just, you know, you're talking about $35 million a year, and he's missed so much time over the last few years. So what I hear is just Philly, basically, because, I mean, is the Mets that much of, or Yankees that greater of a scenario to be playing in the Angels right now? I mean, Mets are going to be retooling here for maybe a year or two. They missed the playoffs. They were disappointing this year. Yankees have kind of an, an interesting future. I guess the Phillies, though, he could go back home and Dombrowski isn't afraid of, you know, paying up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just so much uh, money. I mean, they would have to unload a big contract, too, uh, sort of thing, without just skyrocketing past the payroll. And you're right. I mean, the Mets have already said they're not going to try to compete. They'll try to compete, but they're not going to contend in 2024. So why waste a year's salary on there? I might still be very uh, surprised and not shocked if he's traded. It just seemed like it, it lines up like it yeah. was a few years ago. It seems like he enjoys... Some of, even though he's an East Coast guy, it seems like he he's enjoyed being on the West Coast. Yeah, it's an easy place to play. I mean, players love playing there. It's uh, relaxed. It's like, you know, you talk to players, you know, they say what the number one free agent uh, spot is, the St. Louis Cardinals, just with a great fan support, you know, over 40,000 a game, uh, very little media presence. And, uh, they're, you know, except for this year, they're competitive year after year. So just a nice, easy place to play. You know, there's a reason why, you know, Nolan Arenado, you know, when he had a chance to opt out, had no interest in doing so, and why Paul Goldsmith wants to finish the rest of his career there. Now, you mentioned a couple minutes ago if the Cubs want to be in on Cody Bellinger. Do you think that the Cubs are going is, – is there a greater likelihood of them re-signing Bellinger since the last time we spoke? Yeah, there is. I mean, you're only going to have a few teams interested. You know, will the Yankees be interested? I would think San Francisco Giants would be. You're only talking about, you know, realistically three or four teams because he's going to ask for a lot of money. I mean, he's going to ask for, you know, over $200 million for sure, if not $300 million. Uh, I would think it would be a slow winner for him. I could see him sitting out there in January or February just waiting for someone to meet that price tag. Uh, obviously, the you know, Cubs – you know, know him very well now after being with them. They know whether, you know, this is a aberration or going to continue being better now that he's healthy. So, you know, most value for them. 
And I'm sure the uh, Giants have interest as well, saying, you know what, he's a former Dodger. It'd be kind of cool to, to have him there. And they need star power. Uh, you know, if they can't get Otani, you know, maybe they say, okay, Bellinger, he can sell some tickets. Anybody else? Texas or I don't know who else would be in there. I, I don't see it. I don't. You know, Texas already spent all that kind of money uh, things. I mean, obviously got a good relationship with, with the uh, agent, Scott Boris, because he's already got a few guys there, particularly with the uh, Simeon and Seager. So, I mean, couldn't rule out Texas, but I think they still focus more on, on pitching than anything else. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so really we're only looking at two, three teams making a play for Bellinger. And in the case of Bellinger, I mean, why rock the boat? Why mess with something that's working? Yeah, it comes down to a, uh, you know, the price tag, you know, that sort of thing. You know, who's willing to, to meet what he wants? And they, uh, uh, so it'd be interesting from there. I'm curious, Bob, speaking of teams that could be in play for Bellinger, I mean, are the Padres interested at all in spending a little more money, or are they kind of get? Do you think they'll take a step back this winter? I'd be interested if they trade Soto or not. I would. He's got one year left. Uh, hey, I mean, it blew up in their face. I, I think the Padres are the most underachieving team in baseball history, not just this season, but any season. Uh, so much star power and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, they. Could use as a bat. They could use a first baseman. So I'm not, not going to rule it out just because some of the stuff the Padres do. Yeah. Scratch your head. Uh, you know, where's this money coming from? Are they having cash calls? That sort of thing. But yeah, you, I'd probably throw San Diego in the mix. Remember now, too, every time there's a big time free agent, you only have a few teams involved. I mean, look at like a guy like Aaron Judge. There are only three or four teams involved with a guy like him, too. Well, and there's also the Logan-White connection. I mean, he thanked Logan in his MVP award speech. Logan, of course, was the head scout of the Dodgers, the scouting director, uh, when they drafted Bellinger in the fourth round. And he's known Cody since I think Cody was 11 or 12 years old. And uh, Logan, of course, director of player personnel with the Padres. There's that connection there, too. Yeah, I think it would make more sense you know, if, they, if they're interested in Bellinger you know, trading Soto at the Trade same Soto, time. replace him with Bellinger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's obviously going to be cheaper than uh, in Soto's contract. Same agent. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, Potters have got to make some changes. We'll see what they do. So speaking of Bellinger's impact, it's really been amazing. Let me ask you this, Bob. This is something I was crunching some numbers recently. I've been trying to figure out why are the Cubs so good? Because I think we both... I think a lot of us, we were all just kind of like coming, coming into the year. This feels like a 75-80 win team, and right now they're knocking on the door of a postseason berth. So one of the things I've been wondering was, what is the Cubs' record with Cody Bellinger in the lineup versus when he does not play? How many games better do you think the Cubs are with him than without him? Well, he missed that time in May, about a month or so, so... I would I would think they're gonna be uh, at least uh, you know probably a six game difference between when he plays and when he doesn't play. Sixteen games actually. Okay. Yeah. So they have they're uh, thirteen, I believe they're thirteen over five hundred with him, and three under five hundred without him. And watching this team regularly in Chicago, 
it seems, I mean, he does make them that much better because there have been so many games where it feels like the one run difference is the Bellinger solo shot in the fourth inning or um, he's been, he's just been really carrying that offense. And obviously there have been a few other guys that have emerged, especially lately, but he is the star of that lineup. He's so valuable to them, which is why I think it increases the likelihood of them really trying to keep this guy. Yeah, it just depends on you know whether they want to spend that kind of money or not. It, it really does. I mean, before they let stars go, thinking, okay, we, we don't want to put this kind of money into uh, one player. Uh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, so it'll be uh, very intriguing just how far they go. Uh, I would think they probably had the top bid or close to it. Yeah, unless, you know, like you said, if San Diego jumps in there or San Francisco. San Francisco's got a lot of money they want to spend yeah. that no one's taking that money from. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, remember now, they're, they're, they're a GM, you know, Farhan Zaidi, you know, knows them very well from the Dodger days himself. Yeah. Why is that? Why haven't the Giants been able to land that big free agent yet? Well, it's a tough time, you know, tough place to hit home runs. And uh, so Stanton really wanted no part of it. Uh, Bryce Harper, too, kind of fell in love with Philadelphia. And, uh, and you know, a lot of these are places to hit home runs, too, than San Francisco. Um, Carlos Correa was willing to go there. Of course, his, uh, you know, flunked his physical, or else he would have been there. But, yeah, they've had a hard time getting someone to take their money. <laughs> Blessing in disguise, perhaps, that it didn't work out with Correa. That would have been a horrible contract. Yeah, and same thing with the Mets. And as yeah. bad as the Mets season has been, that would have been horrible for them. So the Cubs have had Bellinger has made them 16 games better and they've won 19 of the games that Justin Steele has started. So really what I find really quite interesting. And again, there are some other pieces on this team. It's a team sport. I don't want to say it's entirely just those two guys, but if you look at where they've been throughout the season, they've had really one starting pitcher carrying their rotation and you've had Tyone, Smiley, Strowman's out now. Um, Smiley, Tyone, neither of those guys have pitched well. Uh, Hayden Wesneski got pulled from the rotation. Kyle Hendricks has been pretty stable, but he didn't come back until later in the season. So if you're looking at the full body of work, they've had a Cy Young caliber pitcher. And Cody Bellinger, I, I imagine, is probably going to finish, what, what do you think, like top five in MVP voting? I'd say top seven or eight. Yeah, uh, probably, yeah, not top five, but, but that know. type of that type of player, you know, one of the seven best players in the National League this year. It's been interesting to me to see. Just I can't remember a time where I've seen a player mean so much to an offense and one pitcher mean so much to a pitching staff. Well, you, <laughs> you can't even think back, Jake Arrieta. I don't think anybody yeah. more than Jake Arrieta. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, at that point in time, it, they had a lot more around Jake Arrieta. They had Kyle Hendricks, John Lester, uh, eventually John Lackey comes in. But, I, I mean, right now, I mean, if you go into postseason series, is there anybody that you want on the mound after Justin Steele on this Cubs team? You're going to probably, you have Kyle Hendricks as your two, and then who, is there anybody that you really would trust as your number three? Yeah, you just yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a uh, you know, so many teams like that. I mean, I, I'm boggles my mind what the Dodgers have done. I mean, no one's been hit with more injuries. No one has just used young kids to win. 
And here's the Dodgers going to win 100 games again. It's unbelievable what they've done. Plus, like the Cubs, you've got to have depth. Yeah. Uh, the Padres did not have depth. That's why they are where they are. And that's why the you know, Cubs are going to want to make the playoffs and you know why the Dodgers are winning the division again. Yeah, um, they've had a number of guys that have kind of emerged here in the later part of the season. And it's been primarily a lot of their young guys. It's been Jordan Wicks just gets called up. Javier Assad gets inserted in the rotation. Those guys are now two of your key starting pitchers who have pitched very well. Now, Wicks has only made a couple of starts. Uh, and then in the lineup, it's been... Christopher Morrell, who didn't even start the season on the big league roster. It's been um, Yamer Candelario, who they picked up at the trade deadline. It's been Nico Horner taking another step this year. It's been Seiya Suzuki uh, turning a corner here over the last month or so. And then it, it, it really hasn't been... Dansby Swanson has been great in the field, but he hasn't really been that kind of high-impact bat that they may have hoped that they were getting with the amount of money they spent on him yeah another bring up crow armstrong too yep. you know top prospects so yeah i mean you got to have that that kind of depth to win uh you can't just be top heavy and i gotta think all these teams i mean look at your same division milwaukee all the oh my um, gosh young yeah. guys it brought in the, the reds of course the reds are going to be a power i'd be interested to see really what they do in 2024 i mean they could go in as maybe the division favorites I'm glad you mentioned the Milwaukee Brewers because I don't think we talk about the Brewers enough. It seems like each year when the, we get to the postseason, we talk about some of the heavyweights, some of the big spenders. We look at, okay, this is how the Yankees did it, or here's how maybe some of the teams like the Astros, Dodgers, Braves have sustained success. Um, and a lot of times we look at kind of big market, and then we look at small market. We Last year, how did Cleveland do this? Cleveland, this was amazing. This year, Baltimore, what are they doing? Tampa, I think there's a, it's, it's a mid-market, uh, Milwaukee, as a mid-market team, I think they have somewhere between like the 16th and 20th payroll in the sport. But with that, as a mid-market team, as an average spender, this has been one of the most successful franchises over the past six years or so. I mean, you're looking at they're going to make the postseason this year. They'll have only missed the postseason once over the last six years. And this will probably be their third division title over that six-year stretch. And it comes as a team that is not spending a whole lot of money, has made some moves to part ways with players, such as a Josh Hader, when it wasn't a very popular move for the fan base, and maybe that was part of why they missed the playoffs last year. But I know some people coming into this year were thinking, hey, is Milwaukee going to be into a rebuild? Are they going to sell Burns? Are they going to sell Woodruff, Adamas, any of these guys? They don't ever really rebuild. They just stay consistently good, and they keep churning out good arms coming up from their farm system. Yeah, they really uh, come up those arms. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, let, let's be honest. The hater trade was a complete disaster. Uh, they're definitely in the playoffs, and the Padres are out if they don't. Can you imagine this team if they still had Hayden Williams right now? I mean, I still think they'd be very scary. Uh, I yeah. think they're the, the real sleeper in the National League. I mean, who wants to go and face Burns, you know, Woodruff, and, and Peralta uh, with Devin Williams at the back end? It always comes down to pitching the playoffs. It's not about that offense. So I think they can scare the daylights out of it, everybody. But, yeah, I mean, they prove that you don't have to have a big – payroll to win and I think other owners look at that you know like the Cubs 
it's like, wait a minute now. Yeah, we know we have more resources, but how come these guys are winning? You know, how come Tampa wins year after year? Uh, you know, this year has been a disaster for the uh, for the teams that spent money. I mean, you know, the Yankees, the Mets, the, the Padres uh, are all going to be sitting home, and they have the top three payrolls in baseball. Yeah, and I want fans to remember that when we get to the winner and they start demanding on Twitter that their team spend money, otherwise they're cheap and they don't want to win. No, 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 that's not typically how you build a winner, and you're seeing that with how a lot of these teams, such as Milwaukee, are sustaining success. You mentioned without Hater, do you think this? Do you think this Brewers team is a dark horse this year, or were you saying if they had Hater? No, I think they're dark horse now. I really do. Uh, you, you face three top starters like that. The bullpen's good. Uh, you know, with Williams stepping in and doing what he's doing. Uh, so no, I think they get. I think they're a sleeper. I really do. I think they could upset anybody. I mean, they'll be favored in the first round where they play. You know, the Cubs or the Diamondbacks. You know, Diamondbacks have two starters too. It's kind of funny <coughs> with Gallon and uh, Merrill, Merrill Kelly. Uh, but you know, then, then a big drop, yeah. obviously. But yeah, Milwaukee, Milwaukee's scary, they really are. I think Milwaukee's really good, like you said. And I know some people talk about their run differential not being great, it's a plus 36, which is obviously above. I mean, it's a positive plus dif- run differential. I think some people fall in love with the run differential, but one thing that you could spin it the other way is it says. You know, this team finds a way to win close games, and that's typically indicative of good pitching and a good bullpen, as you mentioned. And that's going to serve you well when you get into October. Yeah, I'm not a run differential fan. I mean, you know, you got blowouts and everything else. I mean, the yeah. Padres, look at the Padres. I think they've outscored the opposition by 70 runs. You know, look where it gets them 10 games below 500. So if you blow people out, you know, if you have a 20 to 3 game, you know, you know yeah. it's. At 17 runs, whether you get blown out, so, you know, just counts as one win or one loss. So I think people pay way too much attention to uh, run differential. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> when you get these big blowouts, even before they bring in the position player, you're typically seeing the worst guys out of the bullpen when it's a 7 nothing game in the sixth inning. They've gone to the bullpen, and those are kind of like half stats. They're not full stats. They don't tell the true story. I mean... How many players are there that are much better in low leverage situation when their team's up eight runs than when they're hitting with their team down two with runners with the bases loaded and two outs? Like it's a different situation. It doesn't totally. And that's where I think run differential is very deceptive. As you mentioned, Uh, the twins beat the Guardians last week, 20 to six. That's going to give them a, a plus 14 on their run differential. Well, they threw a position player for four innings <laughs> that game, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. It's not. It's not. If you're using that to say, well, this is how much better this team is than their peers because this is how much they beat teams by, I don't think that's a, an accurate reflection of that. No, I, mean, I think it's accurate if you go with the NFL teams or you know NBA, but not not baseball. I really don't. And you got to win. <laughs> close games now if a team's got a great record one run games uh i think that team is gonna you know go in the playoffs or have a very good season where you never see a great team have a lousy record one run games uh you know go back to padres i think there's something like 
what, eight and 24 or something. What a one run games, you know, atrocious. They haven't won an extra inning game all season. So when you do that, you're not going to be making the playoffs. And I always think that's funny because people try to say, oh, they've had bad luck. So, you know, they've, they're eight and 24 in one run games. So eventually that's going to come around. It's like, well, that indicates to me that they can't win close games. I don't think that's a luck thing. No, it's not a luck thing at all. Uh, I forget what the batting average was, but the big four hitters, I think, are hitting like 130 in the ninth inning or later. You know, that's oh, not luck. It's just, you know, yeah. developing a pressure. What that means is you can't perform well under pressure come crunch time. You don't have that depth where the other teams do. So, no, I don't think it's a luck thing whatsoever. Now, you mentioned that you like teams that win a lot of one-run games. Miami Marlins, I believe, have the most wins in one-run games. They've actually been playing pretty well lately, and they're the team that has their they have a minus forty-six run differential. Uh, they've won their last three series, and they've actually come against they've had they've won some series against quality teams. I know they just beat the Phillies. Um, I'm curious where you think. I mean, I think they're a game and a half out of the final wild card spot. You've got Arizona. In that third spot, they're two games behind the Cubs. Had a chance yesterday to actually tie them, um, but they went into Wrigley, won three or four, and those teams are going to face off again later this weekend. And then you've got also got the Reds in the mix there and the Giants in the mix there. What What's your assessment of this race? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, Philly's got the top wild card spot. Yep. They're a good team. They really are. Uh, nobody plays hard on those guys. Then I, then I like the Cubs for number five spot, and then uh, the Diamondbacks number six spot. I think the Reds are just, you know, kind of hit a wall. Uh, they're so young and everything else. I just don't see them doing it. Miami's been hit by a ton of bad injuries. You know, now they lost Alcantara. Uh, you know, just lost Solaire as well. And Cleveland kind of uh, messed them over. I mean, they were jumping all in on those starters. They would have had uh, all those pitchers. Now they don't have them because Cleveland claimed them first. So, uh, well, yeah. do they even want him? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they certainly don't want Chilito at this point. Uh, but yeah, so I think a, uh, we're going to have Dimebacks play the Brewers uh, in Milwaukee, best of three, and then uh, Cubs play at Philadelphia, uh, best of three. And Philadelphia is a tough, tough place to play. I agree with you on the three teams. However, I think the Diamondbacks are going to leap in front of the Cubs. I think. Actually, if you look at the Reds, Cubs, and Diamondbacks, they all are similar in terms of they don't really have a whole lot of starting pitching, uh, and they they can score runs, although the Reds are really tailing off, as you mentioned. it. I think Reds fans should be really happy with what their team accomplished this year. This was a team that was expected by many to finish last in this division, lose 100 games. I mean, they're going to probably finish with a record above 580-something wins. And like you said, they've got a very bright future moving into next year. Uh, I would take the Dimebacks over the Cubs. I like their lineup a little more. I think the ceiling's a little higher with that Dimebacks team. We saw it a little earlier this year when they were, I think there were 16 games over 500. They were in first place. They've been an up-and-down team primarily because they don't have much length in their pitching rotation. Uh, we saw that yesterday with um, the guy who pitched yesterday. But uh, I think that I would take their top two of Gallon and Kelly over Steele 
and Hendricks. So I, I think Diamondbacks are a slightly better team. I think the Cubs will get in there and they'll be the, the seed. Yeah, I just don't know about the Diamondbacks pitching. They got two starters. Uh, the bullpen has been kind of a mess. They only kind of rely on two or three guys. So we'll see. Uh, they've got a funky schedule. And they go to Chicago twice and go to uh, New York twice all in the last uh, three weeks here. So, but they're lucky that, you know, the Mets and Yankees are out of the race. It looked like a real formidable schedule at the time. And then, you know, they still come back to play the White Sox. You know, obviously they're not going anywhere. And, you know, they did beat up the Cubs. So, yeah, my opinion may change if they beat up on the Cubs this weekend in in Phoenix with the uh, three-game series. The Texas Rangers are out of the playoffs if the season ended today. This is the first time that they're out of the playoffs entirely since early April. That's five months where they've been in a playoff spot. What happened to this team, Bob? Well, their bullpen just completely collapsed. And it's tough to rebound after blown saves. Just some around the clubhouse. Uh, They had injuries. They had six All-Stars this year. Five of them got hurt. So, uh, you know, when they got, you know, Young got hurt at at third base, Heim behind the plate, and Heim hasn't really recovered since. Uh, So really banged up, uh, but the bullpen has just destroyed them. Had injuries to the pitching staff like Nate Evaldi. Uh, We'll see. I, I still think they make the playoffs. I think they make it, and Seattle Mariners are left behind. I think Seattle made a mistake when they traded their closer, Paul Seawald, kind of given up and uh, you know almost traded a couple more guys too. And they've lost about six or seven games now in late innings where they could have used Seawald. A couple of weeks ago, Mariners' hottest team in baseball. What happened to them? I mean, was that just an anomaly that they were playing as well as they have? They've really tailed off a little bit, especially over this past week. Well, yeah, they were playing on their mind. You knew they were going to cool off. They weren't that good. Uh, no. Some uh, obviously have been pitching lights out, uh, getting, you know, Julio Rodriguez playing out of his mind. Let's um, see, they're, they're bringing up Jared Kelnick is coming back. Now, we'll see what happens. But I think it was a mistake when they traded Seawald. I really do. I don't think you trade a way to closer and just kind of shrug your shoulders, I think, and haunt you. And haunt them a couple of years ago when they did the same thing with Kendall Graveman. Uh, you know, we saw last year what did with the Milwaukee Brewers. I think it's going to do the same thing with the Mariners. We'll see. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think Seattle's still going to find a way in. I think Texas is going to be the odd team out. The reason why I, I was actually tweeting, you remember Howie Schwab from Stump the Schwab? I know. The ES- There's that ESPN show, Stump the Schwab. It was a trivia show. Howie yeah. Schwab and I were actually tweeting. I had never talked to him before. We were tweeting at each other last night about the Rangers, and I pointed this out. On June 6th, the Rangers got to 40-20 and 20 on the season, and since then, they're 38-44. and 44. So if you take that, if they played at that pace over the course of a full 182-game season, you have a 75-win team. Yeah, and they were playing, you know, Unbelievable. And they were playing on their head, too. When they went 40 and 20, they weren't that good. Uh, and they were not this bad when they went through the streak. Even uh, Bruce Bochy said, I'm not saying anything like it when everything could go wrong. And they just got, you know, <coughs> smattered in uh, Texas over with the Houston Astros. What was that 37 to 10, 39 to 10, whatever it was? And uh, 16 home runs, I think like 50. It was, it was nuts. 
uh, 50 hits. So, uh, but yeah, I think they still got some very good players in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Young looks like he might be coming back now at, at third base. So we'll see. Yeah, that's a big difference. Maybe. Yeah, you got Bruce Bochy as manager. So I, I think they bounce back. Where'd you project this team? How many wins were you thinking for this team coming in the year? Yeah, and I mean, think uh, just to top of my head, my guess probably would have been, yeah, like a seventy-five win team, low seventies. I don't think I thought they'd be five hundred. Yeah, well, see, that's what I'm saying is if they're playing at this pace for now three and a half months, thirty. I mean, they'd be a seventy-five win team if they play this way all year. That I think that's more reflective of the type of team they are than the first sixty games where they somehow were twenty over five hundred. I I don't necessarily know what happens. Sometimes that happens where teams just really overachieve. It's a long season, and so I look at this team and I think yes, there's a lot of talent there. They've got some really good players, um, but I just think that their record kind of caught up with what realistically this team is. I think they'll miss the postseason. I think Seattle's a team of destiny is going to find a way to get in. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they need uh, certainly Evaldi to uh, bounce back and need Scherzer to pitch uh, lights out also. And you mentioned a little earlier Pete Crow Armstrong coming up for the Cubs. It's kind of interesting just to see they have a log jam of outfielders. And if that's going to impact if they keep Bellinger, because we talk about how Bellinger has been so valuable to that club. And you've got Pete Crow Armstrong now coming up. They called up Alexander Canario recently. They've got a couple other top 100 outfield prospects and Owen Casey and, um, gosh, Kevin Alcantara. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they manage. And this is, again, where I I feel like I, I say it all the time. This is why the Ian Happ extension just kind of puzzled me a little bit with you have having so much coming up and I just don't see Hap as some kind of superstar that you really need to keep. Yeah. I mean, obviously they have plenty of money. They can do what they want. Uh, it's nice to have all the outfielders. You need depth. Uh, you know, all the injuries and everything else. You know, we'll see what he does. Uh, you know, the Mets say, uh, you know, gave up on him and stuff. They weren't, they weren't sure. You know, he had some problems early on, whether he wasn't sure he wanted to keep playing and, and things like that. Uh, it was a little risk when they, when they drafted him. So, but yeah, he's turned out to be a, uh, you know, some big time numbers in the minor leagues. And we'll see what we can do. It's tough, to, it's tough to throw a kid, though, in the middle of the pennant race. As for the teams on the outs of the NL wildcard race, Miami. Cincinnati and San Francisco. How would you power rank these teams? Is there one that you think has a, a decent chance of sneaking in there? I mean, San Francisco was hanging around. They got the veterans, everything else. Uh, I would think they'd have a better chance in Miami just because Miami is so beat up. And I think the Reds have kind of hit a wall. Uh, yeah. And the Reds, too, have a real tough schedule. Miami's got an easy schedule, but the Reds have a real tough one. Uh, yeah, the Giants are coming. Enigma. It's, it's tough to get a, a read on them. But I, I don't see any of those teams making the playoffs. Do you think that over the next week, maybe two weeks, we see a little separation between the teams that are in and the teams on the outs? We definitely could. I mean, if Diamondbacks keep playing like they like, like yeah. they have been, you know, now they're in New York to play the Mets, you know, bad Mets team. Then they play the Cubs. So if the Diamondbacks have a good week, they can certainly put them, separate themselves from the Giants. And the Giants come to Phoenix after that. So, so say if they sweep the Giants, you know, that puts them away. 
the one thing to remember about the Diamondbacks where they could get that you know spot over the Cubs is that they're going to have the uh, they win beat the Cubs one more time they get the tiebreaker advantage so two teams have a tie they would finish ahead of them and uh Bob what should we be watching for this week going into a new week of baseball yeah we talked about a uh certainly the uh the Cubs Diamondback series will be fun uh over over the weekend uh but the best series of all is going to be uh, up in Baltimore Tampa Bay plays Baltimore. Tampa's played good baseball, even without uh, Wander Franco. Yeah, it's been amazing. Baltimore is going to be a superpower here for the next five years, I think. <laughs> and uh, so that's you know that's up for the AL East uh, division title. Uh, both teams won a bad. They like to have that first round, first round by. Uh, you know, two powerful teams and similar built. A lot of young kids and uh, you know that a uh, they kind of fun to root for. How about? Uh... We mentioned a little bit of the Houston, that AL West um, race. It feels like you just can't bet against Houston until they actually until they actually fall off. They're going to keep finding a way to win this division, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, what is it, six straight uh, ALCSs now, four World Series, two titles. I mean, they're a power. And yeah. now they finally got people back, and they were so beat up. Never had a chance to take advantage of it, didn't it? With Altuve gone, Alvarez gone, you know, uh, the three or four of the starters gone. You know, now they're finally starting to click. I think they pull away. Uh, you know, the one thing, too, is, you know, we're talking about, you know, hey, Texas, I don't think Texas had a chance to win the division. In Seattle, we'll see if there's any, some, uh, you know, ramifications from the, you know, uh, the, the George Kirby thing with his comments. Oh, know, my gosh. I mean, people went ballistic. And even, you know, as their manager, Scott Service says, it's going to affect our players, including players in that clubhouse, too. Uh, you know, they got to, they got to overcome that. That's going to be a stigma stigma with him for probably the rest of his career, but certainly this year. Yeah, he's going to have to uh, redefine himself over time. I think he'll be able to shake it eventually, but that's uh, definitely. So Kirby said the other day, for those who missed it, that, he didn't think he should have come out and pitched the seventh inning, I believe was what he said, right? He was at 90 Correct. pitches. Yeah, he he 90 pitches. He was actually at 93 pitches and did think he should be in that position. So, yeah, I mean, every former player went ballistic on, uh, <laughs> you know, on, on Twitter and social media. Uh, I, I think, you know, Scott Service talked to him. He apologized to Scott Service. But he's, he's going to hear that for a long time. Yeah. And uh, he's always going to have that stigma with him. Very foolish uh, choice of words. I'm going to ask you about a couple more things real quick, Bob. Uh, Cleveland Guardians, both of us were high on them coming into the year. They are officially done. I mean, I mean, you said it at the trade deadline. You're like, this team's pretty much done at that point. But last week, officially, Minnesota buried them. Uh, seven and a half game lead now going into with three weeks left. Minnesota's in. They're going to win the Central. What went wrong? With this Guardians team, why why weren't they better than this? Well, they got hit with a ton of injuries, you know, and they uh, just didn't have the reinforcements. You know, everybody from uh, you know, uh, you know, McKinstry on, they just stay, uh, you know, they they didn't have the guys to step up. You know, they uh, brought in the free agents and they were busts. You know, uh, Josh Bell that was performing well with Miami. He didn't do it with them. Uh, the catcher. Uh, Struggle big. He Zanino, got yeah. Yeah. So everything everything went wrong. 
And here's a team. They're I mean, they're only a game out of the out of the first place at the trade deadline. I remember yeah. and they just gave up. So like you said, when we talked last, I said, Well, I think I even tweeted at the time, congratulations the twins for winning the central. Because <laughs> yeah. the, twi- the Guardians waved a white flag, which means what they did about a you know, a month ago, a few weeks ago, no sense. Like you gave up, now you're gonna try to get back in it. Uh, too late. Uh it's, it's a shame that, you know, Terry Francona is gonna go out this way. Is Tito done for sure? Uh, he sure makes it sound like he's going to yeah. have a couple of surgery in the offseason. And he was upset. He's not going to say it publicly. But, you know, when you're a manager of a team and, you know, front office gives up on you, uh, I mean, he told the front office, hey, you better get down here to talk to these guys because they're living right now. He's still, you know, if, if the uh, front office gives up, the players say, well, why, why are we trying? If the front office doesn't think we have a chance. Yeah, it's similar to what happened with Milwaukee last year. And actually, if you take a look at these two organizations, I see some similarities. I mean, these are teams that, like we said, don't typically rebuild. Uh, they're kind of, Cleveland's kind of having the year that Milwaukee had last year, although Milwaukee was in first place when they made that move. They were a little better, and they ended up finishing with a winning record. But these are teams that, you know, six, seven years, I mean, have only missed the playoffs once or twice each team. Uh, without a gigantic payroll, very good at churning out pitching prospects from the minor leagues. Uh, I see a lot of similarities here between these two organizations and the 2023 Guardians and the 2022 Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, the uh, but yeah, the Brewers have been good for a long time. Same thing. Uh, we'll see what happens to them without Craig Council. I think Craig Council stepping down after after the season too. So here's uh, two great managers. You know, Francona's going to be the Hall of Fame for sure. Uh, council's got to manage longer. I'm sure council will come back at some point. Uh, but yeah, two guys, two guys leaving in their, uh, you know, particularly with council leaving his prime. Mm. So council's leaving. Yeah, just want to spend more time with his kids. And uh, I just think he's a little burnt out. Uh, I won't be surprised to see him back in a year or two. Maybe it's a front office role, but I bet it's as a manager. But just a, uh, he thinks now's the time to step away. Yeah, interesting. And then um, let's see. Last thing I wanted to talk about was the Phillies. Uh, so you, we talked a little bit about that's a good team. I mean, they're even better than I thought they'd be this year. I thought there was potential they'd have a hangover year. Everything's clicking. They have great team chemistry. That's a tough place to play, Citizens Bank Park. Are they going to do what they did last year? I mean, is there a good chance that they could get back to that World Series? I'm not sure they get past Atlanta. I, mean, I think they surprised Atlanta last year. They came on a little roll. They, you know, swept the uh, Cardinals in St. Louis, and I, you know, Atlanta had that bye. And I don't think they're quite ready for them. But they, these guys play. Their clubhouse culture is as good as they, any uh, I've been around, certainly in, in recent years. Uh, let's put it this way: the Padres had their, you know, heart and heart and makeup. They would have won 110 games because these guys play hard and right. Uh, you know, even you know. But the Cubs, the Cubs should have kept Kyle Schwarber. He's, you know, I'm not saying Schwarber's all, you know, superstar Hall of Famer, but guy, the guy plays so hard and cares so much, still puts up the big time power numbers, and I think they're kind of uh, reflective of his personality in that clubhouse. Yeah, I think the locker room, what he brings to a locker room, is probably even more valuable than what he does on the field because you hear about he's just a great guy, everyone loves to play with him, great leader kind of guy. Um, yeah, I mean, big power, not a whole lot of contact, not not much of a batting average, a lot of strikeouts. But, 
I mean, yeah, the the leadership and all that. Okay, I'm curious to ask you about one more thing. Aaron Nola is approaching free agency. Good chance the Phillies re-sign him. What's that market looking like for him? Any teams you think will be in on him? Well, I think a lot of teams will be on him. I mean, it's a uh, small market. Uh, you know, you got him and uh, obviously you got Blake Snell. Uh, not a whole lot of guys out there that are in their prime. So it's kind of funny that the Phillies haven't locked him up earlier. Uh, obviously, there's you know, disagreement on what what they think he's worth because the Phillies, you know, spend money. Uh, uh, I can't remember the Phillies being outspent by anybody. So, but I would think, you know, pretty much every team in baseball would love to have this guy. So I think I'll have a good, you know, eight, ten teams after him. You know, particularly the big boys who want to spend. You know, whether it's the uh, San Francisco Giants or the, you know. Or, or, or the Yankees, Red Sox, uh, you know, maybe even Houston. And what do you think that contract looks like if you had to give a price estimate? Uh, he's still young enough. Uh, you know, he can still command a, uh, you know, like a, a seven-year deal for, uh, you know, over 160, 170, that sort of thing. Now I'm going to roll out uh, Atlanta. You know, Atlanta, uh, people always want to play in Atlanta. Uh they would like to have a reinforcement like that. They have a lot of young kids. They don't have to have them. And let's not rule. Let's not rule out the Texas Rangers. Why not going <laughs> for it? But yeah, I, w- I would think you'd like to have a, a seven-year deal. You know, probably around you know the one seventy two hundred million dollar range. He's Bob Nightingale. Does a great job over at USA Today. Always fun to have him on the show. Uh, Bob, how can people check out your work? And anything you want to plug or promote? Your Twitter handle? Anything like that? Yeah, just a uh, at usatia.com or Twitter handle is uh, B, B Nightingale, where I publish all my work. And uh, the one thing I had fun recently doing was uh, spend a, uh, a whole afternoon with Mark McGuire talking about that 98 home run chase with Sammy Sosa. So McGuire watched the video, broke down crying. So he was very good reflecting on what, he, what it meant to him. What teammates meant, what you know, Mark Grace thought about it, you know, on and on. So it was a fun, fun thing to do. Awesome. How was that time with him? You guys have some burgers, just hang out. Uh, is he out in Arizona? No, he's in uh, California, beautiful spread in Irvine, California. Lived about ten minutes from Kobe Bryant, and uh, yeah, talked about three, four hours, and had, then went. He had three cheese, three cheeseburgers at his favorite sandwich place before <laughs> I uh, caught a flight. And, uh, but yeah, just fun reminiscing about that, you know, talking to guys like Joe Buck, that, you know, about the call, uh, a Mark Grace, a Scott Service, uh, you know, guys who were there on that, on that day, that moment, you know, what it meant to everybody. It's, uh, I'm going to, I'm looking forward. I'm going to read that right when we get off this, uh, conversation. So guys go check it out. Bob, thank you so much for your time today. Always great having you here. Sure. My pleasure. Take care, Jack. All right, y'all, that concludes my conversation today with the Bob father, Bob Nightingale. He is the guy who's got all the scoops. So we learned a lot today, got an idea of what an Aaron Nola contract could look like, Cody Bellinger, what his future looks like. Uh, Great conversation about where a lot of these teams stand with three weeks remaining in the regular season. We'll be back again next week talking more ball. You guys should subscribe to this podcast wherever it is. If you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe. Turn on notifications so you won't miss an episode. Share this with a friend if you enjoyed it. We will be back again next week talking more ball. By the way, 
we're going to have some more interviews and fun conversations with pros. Um, I know some of those, some people might be new to this show. We had a good conversation last year with Brian Erlacher. Um, there have been several other pro athletes that we've had on. And we're going to have more on in the near future, probably in the offseason. So uh, make sure you guys are all subscribed so you don't miss out on that. You can follow me on social media at Jack Vita Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>